All right. Hello, everybody. This is Like Father, Like Son, Like Movies. I am the titular father. You know, I'm not going to say that. You don't, don't say it then. I don't, I'm not, I don't like that word titular that much. I'm not going to say it. Okay. I'm the father, Stuart, and this is my son, Sam. Hi, guys. And we reversed roles this week. And the reason we reversed roles this week is because we're trying, we're experimenting with our format, as Sam has said many times. This yes. is a different, um, a new podcast, something we're playing around with. And so uh, for this uh, episode and maybe for episodes to come and maybe forever, um, I'm going to try <laughs> hosting yeah. and uh, uh, be the, uh, be the uh, introducer of this relatively new podcast, Like Father, Like Son, Like Movies. What's it about? Well, it's about a father and a son and movies. We love movies. And uh, I love to introduce Sam to new movies. When Sam was a child, I had trouble getting Sam to watch movies that I loved. He always wanted to watch Star Wars over and over and over again. And so this is my opportunity now that Sam is a young adult to um, try to get him to watch all those movies that I thought he was missing out on uh, in his youth. Yeah. And we just talked about this off mic, but that's why I feel that you hosting makes more sense because this to me feels like your journey, uh, your mission to get me to see all these movies. It is a mission, yeah. and I take it very seriously. I know you do. Um, so we're going to be sharing lots and lots of movies that I hope not only you, but lots of our listeners uh, may have been introduced to you for the first time. Yeah. Uh, and that's very exciting to me, uh, particularly uh, where there are movies that I feel strongly about and hope that after you give them a chance, uh, you will feel strongly about them too. Yeah. It won't always be the case, but... Um, that's uh, that's that's just taste. Here. That's taste, man. Um, the other thing we should probably mention is that we also decided to just do one movie. Um, so instead of a pairing, it's just going to be Dad picks a movie, I watch it. And the, I guess the reason, um, Dad, we decided to do that was just because two movies was getting to be a little much. Obviously, this is um, you know just something we do uh, in our free time. So two movies, you know, adds up to but anywhere from four to six hours, and it was getting to be a lot. So I feel like just you picking one that I haven't seen, we get into it, um, and it lets us have a more in-depth conversation about about one movie. And I think that might be turn out to be actually more a little more fulfilling, possibly. Yep, I agree. Until we start um, raking in that sweet, sweet Patreon money. And, That's right. Uh, don't need to go to our day jobs uh, because we're making all of our money off this podcast. Uh, we do need to be respectful of our time. If and, only. Uh, it, uh, even, even dropping one episode a month, uh, you know, squeezing in time to, uh, to watch two movies and uh, research them a little bit and, yeah. um, you know, share some thoughts that we think are worth sharing uh, takes a lot of time. So we're uh, going to, we're going to try one movie yeah. and, uh, see see how we go but before we get there sam yeah uh we have a couple of things uh of uh, business to we have an One agenda is, yeah we do have an agenda we're recording this in late february which means that the oscars are right around the corner and i wanted uh, i i'd received a suggestion that maybe we should um focus on oscar uh movies in the current cycle and uh, the difficulty with that is uh, we have to go and see them, <laughs> and a lot of them uh, are not easily available on streaming. A lot of them are, but a lot of them are not. Uh -huh. uh, so uh, rather than um, that, we won't promise uh, that we can do that, but we will um, make some picks. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, Sam, yes, do you have picks? Do you have I, picks for the Oscars? I, I mean, I do just because you asked me to have picks for this episode, but I, <laughs> I've seen like one movie out of all of them that are nominated. I've seen one movie, I think. Really? And, and, and uh, for people who don't know, I live in a very remote area. We have one movie theater. Um, and it only, you know, I'm at the mercy of whatever they're showing, which is whatever the biggest movie at the time is. So I've seen very few movies uh, in the last couple of years. Obviously, there's some I could have watched online, just didn't get around to it. Oscars haven't been on my radar as much as they used to. The pandemic kind of killed my movie-going ha movie habit. So um, not as in the loop as I used to be. So, But I made some uneducated uh, guesses as to 
Well, the other thing is, are we saying, this is the, the question that comes up every time we talk about Oscar picks, I guess, is it what you think will win or what you would like to win? Or both? I think you can say both if you'd like. Okay. Um, well, I went with what which, I wanted which, to win. I'm personally. curious about which movie of the nominees you saw. I Well, I mean, it depends on what category. What categories do you want to do? Best picture, best... Well... What else? I I was just really thinking about best picture because otherwise we could do the whole hour on uh, Oscar picks. But let's just talk about best picture. Okay. Just best picture? Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, this is not uh, what I think will win. This is what I want to win. Top Gun Maverick. Top Gun Maverick. You saw yes. Top Gun Maverick. I saw it twice and I loved it. It was my favorite thing that happened last year. Yeah. It was a great, great experience. A yes. great movie going experience. Yes. It was so good. It was so, yeah. I mean, every, everything that's been, could be said about it has already been said, but it was just, it was so kinetic and it was, um, it was one of those pure cinema kind of a movies. Yeah. It was great. Yeah. Loved it. Well, I know for a fact you saw a second one. You saw Banshees of Inisherin. Yes, because we saw that in Fantastic Fest. Yes. Also, uh, yes. really excellent. And did not nearly, you know, not a thrill thrill ride. Very different movie from Top Gun. But, um, you know, really poignant. Uh, also, just um, kind of a welcome addition to Martin McDonough's canon because I didn't love his latest movie, um, Three Billboards. So um, I was really, really pleased with uh with uh, his latest venture. Yeah, I thought it was great. Yeah, I love Banshees. And um, if I uh, have a pick that I uh, would like to see win, it's that one. Um, Mm -hmm. I just think it's a a marvelous film. Um, Very funny and tragic at the same time. And Mm -hmm. uh, he he just masterfully handles that tone. Yeah, yeah. Uh, You can definitely hear that dog, right? I hear the dog a little bit. There's a dog in the background who God is also voting <laughs> who's also voting for Banshees, I think. My uh, the fucking neighbor's the got a dog. Oh my god. <laughs> now keep it clean. This is a father son podcast. We wanna we wanna uh this to be a family show. <laughs> is this a family show? Is that what this is? Or is our target is our target audience families on road trips? Is that what you're telling me right now? I think it's be- uh, best case scenario, this is a family show. I mean, it's about fathers and sons. Uh-huh. Uh, sure. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I do hear your, I do hear your talking. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm moving in a month. Won't be an issue. Oh my God. It won't be an issue, but it'll yeah. be enjoyable throughout. Yeah. It'll be delightful. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> so <laughs> Top Gun is the one you wanted to win. Do you have an, do you have a prediction for the one that will win? No, I don't even know what else is on there. What what do we got? Fablemans. Well, uh, we have Avatar. Yes, uh, the way of water. That won't win. Uh, Ban- Banshees. Uh, Banshees might win, actually. We have everything, everywhere, all at once. Yeah, I feel like it won't win. I feel like it'll get a lot of nods. I feel like it won't win as much as people probably want it to. That being said, yeah. I haven't seen it, <laughs> so. <laughs> <laughs> this is you're, this is very much my uh, you're getting by whatever little cinematic intuition I possess. This is it. This is it. This is the test. My prediction for what will win, and I won't be disappointed at all, is everything, 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 everywhere, all at once. You think it'll win Best Picture? Um, I think it'll win uh, Best Picture, Best cool. Actress, uh, perhaps Best Supporting Actor. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think there's a shot that. Um, it, uh, it, it, uh, runs yeah. the table. I, I would not be surprised at all if, if, uh, Michelle Yeoh won best actress, just cause I feel like so many people were talking about it and it was such a beloved kind of moment to where this, you know, what is she like in her sixties, this, um, you know, past her, um, in traditional and traditional Hollywood terms, past her prime, uh, actress, you know, relatively obscure i guess you know is stars in this amazing movie so i feel like she's got a good shot um not because she doesn't deserve it either but also she's got you know crowd support i've seen it twice um i think the first time i saw it i was just kind of befuddled and i mean i liked it but i didn't know what i saw and then i watched it again 
and I do think it's a movie that rewards uh, repeat viewings. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I got I got to check it out. Film. I got to check it out. I'll get on that. Yeah. Oh, you know what would be cool though is if um, Brendan Fraser won. That'd be cool, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, as actor for the whale. Yeah, yeah. He because he's just another person that people just love. He's just, he's beloved, you know, and um, yep. you know hasn't been in the spotlight for a long, long time. And um, the most recent thing I saw him in again, haven't seen the whale. I saw him in that Steven Soderbergh movie that came out like a year or two ago, but I didn't like that movie very much. I didn't think it was very good. So it's cool to see him on the roster again. I'm not sure which one you mean. I don't even know what it was called. Pretty sure it's on HBO. Uh, I'll have to look it up. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think the smart money for actor is Austin Butler as Elvis. Mm. Um, he's been uh, raking in the awards. Has he? Um, yep. Okay. And I think uh, uh, All Quiet on the Western Front is um, uh, one not to uh, discount. It, mm-hmm. it just won the BAFTA, mm-hmm. uh, the British I've, uh, Film Awards. Yeah, and I, I that this one I have no excuse because it's obviously on Netflix. Um no excuse. Other than that, you changed your password and I haven't logged back in yet. Um, don't tell Netflix. Don't tell Netflix that we're sharing that. I mean, I mean, we live together. We live together for sure. Uh, anyway, uh, so yeah, no excuse on that one. Um, but I love a good war movie uh, because I think war is great. I'm pro war. I love war. I love war. Mo- no. <laughs> um, no, I just, yeah, I, I need to see that one. So, yeah. Because I also heard yeah. heard very good things about it. You know, the other person I um, really would love to see win an award is Barry Cogan. I don't know if that's how you say his name, but um, uh, supporting, su- actor, supporting for actor for Banshees. Yeah, I thought he was great. Mm-hmm. Really charming, yeah. really tragic character. Um, yeah, yeah. I just thought he was he was fantastic. Yes, and, and actually, I think you know again, what? Yeah, no, go ahead. No, that's a race. I think because. Um, He's up against Brendan Gleeson from the same movie, right? Um, in Banshees, which yeah. uh, you could argue uh, Brendan Gleeson's role was, uh, you know, just as eligible for lead actor. But I think they were trying to get Colin Farrell in there, yeah, yeah, um, uh, to contend for lead actor, which I yeah. would love to see any of the actors in that film win. Yeah. Well, he, he um, is the he is you know legitimately the lead of the movie. You know, he's main character, and it's his yeah. his journey we're on and all that. But um, yeah, Brendan. Um, Gleason does play such a prominent role that you, yeah, you're right. That could be a, um, and then, but you know, just, every, everyone in that movie, Carrie Condon, I thought it'd be great to see her win supporting actress. She was charming as well. Just lots of charming people yep. in that movie. I thought it was great. Yeah. I don't know that I have any, anybody that I, you know, wish ill on in this race. It's a lot oh, of yeah. good nominations this year. And, I'll, uh, I think I'd be happy with just about, anything that wins with the possible yeah. exception of Elvis, which uh, people who know me know I'm not that big on biopics. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, I don't know. Um, I guess I'm not either, but I think that has more to do with the way they're done. A lot of the times, like they can be so formulaic and all that. Um, I haven't yeah. loved a lot of Laz Berman's movies. I have, I've only seen a couple and he has such a distinct style that I'll, I don't think works for me very well. So I skipped that one. I didn't see Elvis either. Yeah. And you know, you said Laz Berman instead of Baz Luhrmann. Dang it! That's because a friend. Of my, <laughs> that's because a friend of mine does that, and I make fun of her all the time. <laughs> now I did it. Oh my god! In her honor. Uh, anyway, yeah. all right. Well, Tom Crom Twos didn't get nominated, so, that's <laughs> so it's too bad. Uh, it's too bad. Um, well, we spent a lot of time on Oscars. We should probably move on. Okay. But, um, we'll be watching and uh, looking forward to seeing who won. Yeah. Um, anything else you want to tell us? What you've been watching since? Oh yeah, last right. time we uh, podcasted. Yes. So since last time, I started to watch The Last of Us, and I believe we talked about that a little bit. Um, not as into it as a lot of people. Um, I wasn't that compelled by it, so I turned it off and started watching The Leftovers instead, just randomly because I like Damon Lindelof, and it's yeah. amazing. I was like enraptured from from the first episode and I watched all three seasons in, you know, however long a week. And wow. I loved it. I mean, probably longer than that, but whatever. Um, I loved it. It's a great show and a very spiritual show. It's about, do you, do you know the premise of the leftovers? Um, it's about the rapture. Maybe. 
No, well, no, it's about, so 2% of the world's population mysteriously disappears. And so nobody knows what happens, but there's lots of groups who interpret it as a rapture. And so there's lots of like weird cults um, and religious figures and stuff that pop up. But the show is just about this one family who tries, you know, that them navigating life after in the wake of this, in the wake of this tragedy where nobody knows, nobody knows where all these people went. Um, and so there are lots of religious elements because it gets interpreted that way by a lot of the characters in the world. But, um, you know, not to give any, I, I don't want to give anything away to you in case you ever watch it someday, because, um, they do eventually sort of explain what happens. Um, but yeah, just great show spiritual, which is kind of unusual. I don't think that's, um, a word I would use to describe very many shows, um, poignant sure but spiritual is feels more specific to me and and that's a lot of what this show is interested in grappling with um so that's what i've been watching and then the other thing i wanted to mention was a podcast that you uh suggested to me uh, and that became one of my favorite podcasts i think ever which is valley heat uh (laughs) you suggested that because i was um taking a trip somewhere and i loved it it was is like one of the funniest things i've ever listened to ever Funniest things I've ever seen or heard or consumed. It was just so hilarious, and it was a joy to listen to it the whole time. I'm sad that there's not uh, another full season. There's only two episodes of season two. I don't know if you quit or what. Yeah, uh, as these things go, as these podcast things tend to go, uh, a lot of them don't, uh, you know, last for uh, as long as you might like. Um, I'm sure everybody listening to this podcast hope it lasts forever <laughs> but um valley heat yeah uh i read about it in a article i'm always on the hunt for a uh, new podcast to listen to and it yeah. was written up as one that made you laugh out loud and for sure they um, were not wrong that yeah they were not wrong mm-hmm. um so valley heat check it out um i've been on the hunt for podcasts like valley heat and um checking a few out that hopefully i'll be able to uh, report back uh that are good um uh, follow-up listens mm-hmm. uh, to Valley Heat um, mm-hmm. that will, uh, if it doesn't um, make you laugh out loud as much, uh, at least uh, they're going to be worth your worth your time and a good yes. comic break from all the nonsense that goes on in the world. Every oh, day. yeah. Much needed. Uh, what do you got? Yep. What are you watching, listening? Well, I just I wanted to mention one thing, and um, I wanted to ask you, Sam, when I say this phrase, what does it make you think of? Okay. Mm-hmm. Freeze dried coffee. <laughs> the in laws. The in laws. Right. Did you know that Alan Arkin and Peter Falk did another movie together? I did not. Did the, is this a recent film? It's not a very recent film. No, it okay. was only a few years after the in laws, and it's mm-hmm. called Big Trouble. Okay. Um, and it was directed by John Cassavetes. Have you heard of Cassavetes? Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. So, and it's an odd, he was an odd choice. I think he was like a, um, like a, uh, substitute, last minute substitute for a director who decided to bail on the project. Mm -hmm. And he and Peter Falk were good friends. So perhaps Peter Falk approached him and said, Hey, I need you to direct this movie for me. Mm -hmm. But, um, it's another broad comedy, uh, between, um, Arkin and Falk. And, um, I enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. Okay. I definitely think it's worth worth your time if you can find if you could find it online mm-hmm. it's uh, uh i don't think it's available everywhere excuse me but it's a good place to it's a good uh follow-up it's not as classic as the in-laws but mm-hmm. it's pretty good yeah okay yeah i like seeing those two guys anytime yep mm-hmm. yep um very kind of a very strange uh directorial style you know the past cassavetes was uh, a very avant-garde kind of uh, mm-hmm. independent filmmaker, and uh, he brings some of those touches to this film, which is very odd to see in a uh, uh, <laughs> in a broad comedy. But uh, it's worth your time. And cool. one of the um, things uh, about it, and made me think of it to uh, uh, mention on the podcast, was that it also stars Beverly D'Angelo, who is uh, one of the stars of the movie we're about to talk about. Oh, uh, okay. Which is. Yeah, I didn't yeah, even. I just hair. Forgot all the cast members' names of this movie. So okay, yeah. Well, we can start there if you want. Who who is does she play? Yeah, well, uh, the movie that we're talking about is Hair. As yes, promised. It's a 
musical um, based on a Broadway play that uh, was very um, uh, popular in the 60s uh, about uh, hippie culture and uh, anti-war um, uh, uh, thought. Yeah, yeah it, sentiment. It was, mm -hmm. um, uh, yep, it was uh, 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 created by uh, three uh, people, Galt McDermott, Jerome Ragney, or Ragney, and James Ratto. Mm -hmm. um, music was by McDermott and lyrics but were by Ragney and Ratto. And Diane Keaton was an original cast member in the play. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And uh, so more than 10 years after that uh, play landed on Broadway, um, Milos Forman, uh, who had directed the Oscar-winning film one Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, mm -hmm. uh, decided to make a film version of Hair in 1979, uh, starring Beverly D'Angelo, as I mentioned, and uh, Treat Williams and John Savage. Mm -hmm. um, so um, let's talk a little bit about, about Hair. Mm -hmm. um, I'm going to borrow a line from another one of your favorite podcasts, Sam, and ask you, what was the story? About? <laughs> what the story was? Oh my god! Uh, okay, <laughs> let's see. Um, well, it's not too complicated. It's a uh, a fellow played by John Savage, a young guy. He lives in Oklahoma. Um, the opening scene: he gets on a bus and he heads to New York to for the purpose of shipping out to Vietnam, which he's going to do in you know a few days or whatever. Um, and he gets there and he gets out the bus and by you know, fortuity um, meets a group of hippies um, and he falls in with them. And uh, the course of the movie is kind of like, I guess it's about him becoming friends with them. And then um, they kind of part ways, I guess, because he um, still feels obligated to join the military and they don't want him to do that. And um, so it becomes this kind of, um, I don't know what you call it. It's a clash, not really a clash. There's not so much confrontation, but they have different values and it takes them on different on different paths and, and that's kind of what the movie's about yeah yeah it's uh it's not got a lot of plot to it right it's no, um, it's a hangout movie as uh, some people would say a hangout movie and 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 obviously you know very uh you know just chock full of songs so sam let me ask you mm -hmm. this mm -hmm. do you do you like musicals i love them you love them which is yeah. your favorite musical uh wicked I'm talking Wicked. live musicals as well. Um, yeah. So I guess Wicked, but then movie musicals, uh, that's a great question. It's probably Singing in the Rain, but I also, yeah, I've got one. a soft spot for several. I really like um, Seven Brides for Seven Brothers. That was a favorite when I was a kid. Uh, yeah. How do you feel about that one? Do you like that one? I do like that one. I don't yeah. think it's um, like the greatest of the great, but yeah. it's a it's a very very entertaining musical. Yeah, I think it's a fair assessment. I just for whatever reason loved it when I was a kid. Maybe because it was a western or something. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, that was one of my favorites for sure. I'm trying to think of others. Uh, I mean, Mary Poppins is a classic, of course. Um, yeah. You named yeah. two of mine on my list. Yeah, yeah, I know you're you're a big Mary Poppins fan. Um, so yeah, yeah, got some musicals. Yep seen some musicals yep i would say this one is definitely up there for me um mm -hmm. west side story the original one not the spielberg uh remake but mm -hmm. uh the original west side story from 1961 mm -hmm. um and victor victoria i really think is a is a lovely musical with julie okay. andrews um, yeah that uh I, I would highly recommend been a long time so, since i've seen that but, mm -hmm. So the thing that all those musicals have in common that we've mentioned is kind of a very linear story with incident and drama and romance. And this movie doesn't really have a lot of that. It's, as Sam said, just a kind of a hangout movie, um, a, a clash of cultures, if you will, between this uh, Oklahoma uh, cowboy who's about to leave for the draft and, and the hippie culture he encounters uh, two days in New York before he's uh, needs to report to his draft board. Mm -hmm. um, and um, but the music in this film just for me just really soars. I had a hard time taking notes while I was watching this movie because there's 
several moments where uh, the music just, you know, knocks your heart right up to your throat. And uh, did you feel that way about about the songs? Uh, you know, I did sometimes, but not not all the time. I, I, I really find that it's, and I should have done this, I guess. Um, I didn't think about it. But I really find that it heightens the experience of a musical or any movie with where music plays a prominent feature to listen to the soundtrack before. Um, that always heightens the experience for me. So um, I enjoyed it, but I think if I had been familiar with the music going in, I probably would have enjoyed it more. Um, that's been my experience in the past. And, and getting to know the soundtrack of a movie where it plays a prominent role has really elevated the experience for me. So I'm kind of curious to do that with this movie. Um, the part where I I did get me was the end, um, the ending song, not only because it's a big moment, um, but also I already knew Aquarius um, just because that song is around. So um, that was a moment where I was, you know, it, it got me. Yeah. You mean at the end, you mean let the sunshine in? Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that song called Aquarius yeah. or something? No, the uh, Age of Aquarius is the movie is the song that opens the movie. Oh, okay. Uh, I got those mixed up, I guess. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, where uh, that takes place in, in New York in Central Park mm-hmm. um, with a singer whose name I, unfortunately, I did not write down here, mm-hmm. um, but who uh, really just kills it. Yeah. And um, Let the Sunshine In is, uh, is the capper mm-hmm. uh, on this piece. Now, both of those songs uh, were recorded, uh, I think, a couple of times. Uh, and released to radio as popular music. Yeah. Um, so had you heard those songs before watching this movie? I'd heard Let the Sunshine In, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. That was a big hit uh, when I was a kid uh, by the Fifth Dimension, a band called the Fifth Dimension. Fifth Dimension, okay. Uh, and mm-hmm. they actually did it um, kind of together with Age of Aquarius. They did uh, the the track that they recorded had uh, had both songs on it. So oh, uh, very popular, I think... a lot of airplay. I think that's where my confusion came from, because I think when I looked it up on Spotify, it was called both titles. So, yeah, that must yeah. be where my confusion came from. Um, yep. Yeah, so I'd heard that before, which is why I thought this was like a Rock of Ages situation where they were using popular music to and created a story around it. I think that's why I thought that, because I'd heard that song before just around on the radio in pop culture, whatever. And I just assumed mm-hmm. that it, I didn't realize it had been written for a musical. I had, I had no idea before I saw this. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, those songs came from this musical and mm-hmm. the other, um, radio hit from, uh, the musical hair. I mean, before the movie was released was good morning starshine. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That was, uh, that was a big hit. Okay. So, um, we start in uh, New York, in mm-hmm. Central Park, mm-hmm. uh, with the singing of... Uh, well, we actually start in Oklahoma, where we see Claude, played by John Savage, get on the mm-hmm. bus. Uh, but he very quickly uh, um, arrives in New York uh, to this scene of um, hippies uh, dancing and singing <laughs> uh, like, you've, like you've never sing, seen before. Yeah. Uh, 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 to, to Age of Aquarius. Uh, yeah. And this is, uh, you know, another one of those banger openings where I just couldn't uh, bring myself to take notes while I was watching. I just had to stop and, and watch the scene because it still blows me away. Yeah. Um, uh, we see um, the horses uh, yes. uh, that are being ridden <laughs> by New York, uh, by New York policemen, uh, uh, in, evidently in sympathy with the hippies dancing right. along with them. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I had to write that down because I was like, this movie's got dancing horses in it. That's the, you know, I haven't seen that before. So A plus. Yeah, that was A+. amazing. Yeah, I loved it. Uh, and that was another thing that I thought uh, the movie was full of is just these moments of humor even though some of the um topics are are quite weighty um Mm -hmm. there's a lot of humor in this film as well yeah it's a pretty you know there's a lot of levity to it yeah for sure you know what i liked i i realized this halfway in but i was like there's there's that i've seen there's no other musical that feels the way this one does because I associate musicals with um, the era, I guess, in which they're most popular, which uh, they were big studio productions and they were very, um, what do you call it? Everything was very controlled and they all took place on elaborate sets and elaborate costumes and everything was very controlled. And here it's like just a bunch of people like 
leapfrogging over each other and rolling in the dirt and horses and jumping off horses and up on horses and all this stuff. And I was like, this doesn't feel like any movie I've ever seen. It just feels kind of rowdy and even a little bit dirty. Like there's dust flying through the air and crowds of people. And this felt way different than any musical that I'd seen before. Yeah, it's uh, there's a lot of um, chaos and anarchy um, to everything that's on screen. And I think that comes directly from the play, um, which also didn't have uh, much of a story to it. I think it was more about um, putting the hippie culture on display uh, for consumption by um, uh, people that would um, you know, be frequenting Broadway, Broadway musicals. Um, and just increase the uh, 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 exposure that people had to the to the culture and to the lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of that very much comes through in this film. Yeah, yeah. And the other thing too is it just it just makes it it's just um, it just feels inherent to the subject matter hippie culture that it would feel that way. I mean, it'd be it'd be weird if you had a movie about hippies that felt very like proper and refined and contained, it would just be strange. And so it, it just makes sense, but also, you know, they made the right choice there. Yeah. Now the, now the authors of the play kind of disowned the, the film. Hmm. Uh, I read in an article that they took the money, but they didn't really view it as a definitive uh, film uh, adaptation of their play. Hmm. Um, wow. I think there was some, changes that were made uh, in the movie that um, were not in the play that uh, they didn't agree with. For one thing, Claude was not an Oklahoma cowboy uh, willingly going off to the draft. He was part of the hippie um, commune uh, and was trying to decide whether or not to burn his draft card. That was that that character uh, in the Broadway show. Hmm. Um, Which makes me Kind of asked this question, Sam. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you know what a draft card is? Uh, yeah, I mean, you didn't. You knew you had a you had familiarity with that concept. Yeah, I mean, you get it in the mail, and it tells you to, you know, be here at this time, and you're going overseas. Yeah, I mean, were you, are are you aware, or you you must be aware that you you signed up for selective service? Yeah, I in your youth, I wasn't aware that I signed up for it, but there was. I don't remember what I was doing. But there was a time where I needed my draft number, and I was like, I have a draft number? And it's like, yep, <laughs> apparently I do. So you can go look that up. I don't, I was, you know, I was probably, in, I was in my early 20s at the time. I, again, don't remember why I was doing that, but yep, found that out that I have one of those, was assigned at some point. I think uh, you've aged out. And so, oh, that's uh, good. I may, have, I may have destroyed all those documents at this point in time. But... Huh. Um, if uh, anyone from the government is listening, I am sure I have not destroyed those documents. I'm sure I still have them. Uh, uh, if I'm required to keep them, but, oh, that's uh, funny. In any case, yeah, yeah. No, that would that was but the country hasn't had a draft since that time, right? Yeah, that that would not go over well. I don't think with this generation. Hmm. I don't. I don't. I can't see that happening in our in our future these days. Hard to imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so. Yeah. No, so go ahead. No, 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 yeah. I didn't have anything to say. I was just making noises. Yeah. Yep. So um, we have this wonderful opening number. Um, uh, I, you know, personally love the choreography. Um, we should mention the choreographer was a person called Twyla Tharp, a uh, very famous American choreographer of the time. I was about to say, I've heard that name uh, before. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. So uh-huh. uh, we, it was very... Uh, uh, striking to uh, to have her contributions yeah. um, to this film as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so what um, awareness generally um, did you have about hippies and Vietnam and all that kind of stuff before before watching this? There's probably as much as the next person. I've You know, I've seen it depicted in movies and, you know, a little bit of, you know, I don't know, I've seen like Woodstock footage and stuff like that. Um, I'm familiar with some of the music. I quite like a lot of 60s music. So, um, yeah, I mean, no more or less familiar, I would say, than anybody else my age. Um, I Mm -hmm. understand, I think, at least the broad strokes of the fundamental conflict 
um, between the, that rests at the heart of this movie, which is, you know, the hippie culture, um, freedom loving, um, peace, love, uh, culture. And then the, um, uh, people who feel duty bound to go fight on their country's behalf. Um, so yeah, I'm aware of that stuff in broad terms. What I liked about this movie is that it, those elements are all present, but it could have very easily, it would have been such low hanging fruit for them to have the, um, John Savage character, who's about to go to war, it would have been so easy to have him, you know, essentially become a convert at the end. Um, but that's not how it goes. That's not, that's not what they do. You know, he still goes overseas, um, you know, and things take a turn, but, or he doesn't go overseas. He goes to the army base, but, um, things still take a turn and they, they, I really respected the decision not to go for the really easy, preachy version of this movie which could have been he you know realizes the error of his ways at the end and and you know throws off his army uniform and puts on a you know whatever buckskin vest or whatever they wear uh <laughs> and goes and starts dancing in the park it would have been a very easy decision and they didn't do that and I, I think that's great and obviously credit to the musical because i'm i'm sure that's where a lot of the story beats come from so yeah well, uh, we'll talk about the ending, I think, before we wrap up. Mm-hmm. But, um, one reason why they might not have gone in that direction is I don't think John Savage looks very comfortable singing here. I think that is his real voice, but I think he's much more effective uh, when he's not singing in this film. He doesn't uh, even sing that much, does he? No, just two songs. Yeah. Um, he sings uh, Manchester, England, and he sings... Um, where do I go? Uh-huh. Um, right. And he doesn't seem comfortable in either case. Yeah, <laughs> maybe. Do you think, this is subject to debate, but do you think there's something to that a little bit where he's someone who, his character, you know, is someone who's just less comfortable, I guess, with self-expression just as a rule because of his upbringing and because of, you know, where he's headed. He's headed to the military, that kind of thing. Do you think that could have played a a part in that or do you think it just was a little bit miscast you know john savage is i think a thoughtful enough actor that that's very possible i think that's a good defense for how he handles himself in those singing numbers Mm -hmm. um i think that's uh that's a reasonable reasonable observation sam yeah maybe point for sam good job thank you yeah he um but yeah he's a lot of the time he's supposed to look kind of stiff and out of place because he is he's in this world that he has no you know, connection to, and he's just been dropped into it. So that could be, that could be part of it. Yeah. yeah. I do love yeah. that number though. The, where do I go? Cause I just, yeah, I don't know. That was just, that was very poignant. Yep. Mm-hmm. So af- after the very open, the opening number, uh, age of Aquarius dancing horses, um, pretty quickly we're into another song. Um, and it's called sodomy, Sam. How'd you like that one? <laughs> I loved it. It was so funny. Yeah. They, uh, yeah. They, just riding up next to the, the prim and proper ladies on the horses. And yeah, that was just great. I thought it was funny. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the songs, uh, you know, in isolation, um, seem to be just random strings of words that have a relationship to each other. Um, there's a song about this one, a song about uh, sexual uh, terms. There's a song about race. Um, there's a song about hair, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a song uh, and, and the amazing song in the middle of the picture by Treat Williams, I Got Life, um, which, uh, uh, you know, doesn't, you know, none of the songs are very complex in and of themselves. There's the song 3500. Uh, about, um, you know, war and killing. Um, mm-hmm. So if you look at them in isolation, they don't seem like very much. You add them up together and you start to see how they're piecing together um, all this different, these different aspects of, of hippie culture mm-hmm. and how, how they uh, um, uh, expressed their anarchy and their freedom um and their uh their anti-war philosophy right um i think yeah yeah what was your i at the time let's see how old were you when this movie came out young right like a baby i was in um my junior 
uh, or senior year. Oh, because this came out in the 70s, and the musical came out in the 60s. Mm-hmm. Right, right, right. Yeah. Uh, did you see it in theaters? I did. I went with my friend Bruce, and uh, we saw it together, and uh, yeah, absolutely loved it. Yeah? Um, yep. Absolutely loved it. Um, and by then, you know, by the late 70s, you know, the hippie culture was long gone, um, and Vietnam was not quite a distant memory. Right. Um, but uh, it still seemed kind of uh, post its time of relevance. Um, why are we making this movie about hippies? Right. In the late seventies, um, when when that uh, time you know was um, long gone, um, I think it uh, was part of a. Um, a flush of movies that came out in the late seventies that were all wrestling with the Vietnam era. Mm-hmm. Of course, you know, there was deer hunter and there was uh, apocalypse now, mm-hmm. you know, these big, these big war movies, uh, extravaganza spectacles, um, that actually, uh, went to Vietnam, you know, on, on screen and, and, uh, tried to come to grips with the American experience there. Um, and in a way, Hair is one of those kinds of movies, except it's dealing with the experience on the home front instead of um, instead of overseas. Uh-huh. And uh, so I, th- I think that's uh, probably the best explanation I could come up with with for why in 1979 we're making a movie about about hippies. Yeah, there's a film pairing Hair and Deer Hunter. <laughs> <laughs> well. I mean, there's a lot of. There, I think those films are in conversation with. <laughs> yeah, no, that could be interesting. Yeah, that movie fucked me up. I saw that too young, probably. Uh, <laughs> uh, I think anybody's too young to see that movie. Um, did you? What am I trying to ask here? I guess what was the because Vietnam War ended in 1975, right? So. Um, not that long after the or before this movie came out. So, but you said it wasn't as culturally relevant. You thought, or or just the hippie culture aspect wasn't. I don't remember if I thought this way at the time, but from this vantage point, it feels like 1979 is pretty late. Yeah. to be making a movie version of Hair, right? Um, and obviously, there's lots of reasons for why movies get made when they get made. Um, but I guess I, I think there was a lot of Vietnam movies that were getting made in this time period. Um, uh, coming home was another one with Jane Fonda and John Voight, which was also about the home front. Mm -hmm. Um, so it was, it was definitely, uh, something that, uh, was being wrestled with in, you know, American cinema. And, uh, so it, from that vantage point, like I say, I think it makes sense that, that uh, hair was, you know, one of those films. Mm-hmm. Um, I found a quote from uh, Milos Forman, the director. Mm-hmm. Um, another one of those Czech directors. Remember, we talked about this. Yeah, yeah. We talked about Cutter's Way. Mm-hmm. How uh, there's there's these these Czech uh, filmmakers that seem to have their their finger on the pulse of America in this time. Um, at least, you know, as the way I see it, and and Milos Forman is one of those. Um, and uh, he uh, was quoted about Hare as saying uh, he was um, a supporter of America's involvement in Vietnam because, you know, he comes from Czechoslovakia and uh, he fled communism. Mm. So to him, America was a hero for fighting the communists in Vietnam. Mm. But um, Hare, he said, quote, was an act of freedom for me as well. I was amazed at how free this country was, uh, America. Uh, that it could look at itself in the mirror and see its own dark side, close quote. So for him, he was um, intrigued by, um, you know, not only how the country could um, act against communism, but also how there was enough freedom uh, in the country to criticize uh, the way that it went about it. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that's what appealed to him about this film. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, interesting perspective that he brings to it then. Yep, very interesting. And he went on to direct a lot of other films uh, that were very noteworthy, uh, among them um, The People versus Larry Flint and Man on the Moon, mm-hmm. you know, two 
two movies about uh, American uh, popular culture figures, mm -hmm. if not icons, I wouldn't call, I'm not sure I would call either of them icons, mm -hmm. um, but uh, certainly interesting uh, figures in American popular culture. And he also directed Amadeus, oh. um, an adaptation of another Broadway show, not a musical, mm -hmm. uh, about Mozart. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Nice. So Very good. So um, let's see. Um, uh, there was this moment uh, kind of in the middle of the film uh, when there's a confrontation between Claude and Berger, uh, played by Treat Williams. Um, and they, uh, you know, up to that moment, uh, Claude seems to be going along with what the hippies have to offer and experiencing their their drugs and experiencing their anarchy and crashing party crashing and um, but then it comes uh, to uh, the moment when uh, it's time for Claude to um, to leave and and to go to um, the draft board or I don't know if it's the draft board it's the the military yeah. uh, office where he's reporting for duty mm -hmm. uh, and they exchange um, <laughs> they exchange some words uh, and Claude says to, to Berger to treat Williams, I think you're ridiculous. And, um, and Berger says it back to Claude. Um, what did you make of that? Uh, I didn't think too much into it until you posed the question. Um, yeah. I don't know if this is, I don't know if you're expecting a more sophisticated answer than this, but to me, that's just them saying that I find your way of life totally mysterious to me yeah and your values they they hung out for two days and 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 just didn't get each other yeah yeah which is um yeah. again i like that it's uh it could have gone the other way so easily and it just doesn't you know they still they still are who they are at the end of the day and the movie doesn't set out, and, it doesn't set out to critique anybody. It just sets up, you know, both these characters and they each have their perspective. And, um, you know, they don't really change in two days as you wouldn't, <laughs> um, yeah. most likely in real life. So. No, I think that's, that's a very good observation. They, I think Claude thinks Berger's ridiculous because he doesn't realize that, you know, even though it's a lot of fun, the way that they live. Um, there's something serious in his view going on overseas that needs to be taken care of. Mm -hmm. And uh, we have to go and fight wars, right. um, even if we don't want to. And, uh, and Berger just refuses to, uh, to accept that, that premise that it's necessary to, to fight a war. Mm -hmm. um, so um, that's when uh, the characters uh, go their separate ways for a while. And then the next thing you know, it's wintertime. Mm -hmm. And um, and Sheila, this is the Beverly D'Angelo character. Mm -hmm. And by the way, uh, if I have a criticism of this movie, I guess it's, and maybe it's uh, you know true of the play as well, uh, the female characters seem kind of underwritten. Yeah, maybe. They don't have a lot to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's just, um, yeah, maybe, but it's also, I think it just is so focused on the relationship between uh, John Savage and Tree Williams. So it may, maybe that's, you know, maybe that's most of it. But yeah, maybe you're right, though. Maybe they are, maybe they just didn't get uh, enough attention in the scenes that they do have. I don't know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But um, Sheila um, uh, finds... Um, uh, uh, burger in um new york i think it's not central park it's uh oh the name of the park is escaping me now but um in any case um uh she finds him uh, as you do in new york city it's very easy to just run into new york city and find people um and uh, especially in the uh, 60s <laughs> before cell phones and says, um no problem no problem and um Claude, uh, she, she says she has a letter from Claude and, and they decide to, uh, to take a road trip out to Nevada where Claude is uh, going through his uh, last um, uh, training uh, steps before he's shipped overseas. Mm -hmm. um, and this is where uh, the, final, um, the final climax happens. Um, 
do you want to talk about? Let's do uh, it. How the movie ends. Let's talk about yeah. it. Spoiler. I've got thoughts. I've got thoughts about it. Spoiler alert for uh, Hair from 1979. <laughs> so if you haven't seen it, there is a bit of a twist here. Um, so uh, be warned. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're about to be. You're about to be spoiled. Go ahead, Sam. Uh, well, I guess just to summarize what happens, um, they go, they drive, take this road trip. The whole crew takes a road trip. They go to the army base and um, they need to sneak on, but they can't all get on at once. So um, they cut uh, Treat Burger, Treat Williams's hair. Um, and he, uh, Sheila seduces a army officer and they get him drunk and take his uniform and Treat Williams sneaks into the airport, air um, army base and uh finds john savage takes him off the army base so he can go see everybody but um just because of most mostly plot convenience uh, they can't get through the gate they can't figure out how to get through the gate with both of them uh in the car so uh treat williams gives john savage the army officer uniform so that he can get out to go see all of his friends and burger uh is uh, the idea is that he temporarily takes um, John Savage's place in the army barracks so that yeah, nobody will notice that anything's amiss. Because, <laughs> uh, you know. And nobody seems to care. Because nobody knows uh, what he looks like. For a while. Well, nobody yeah. seems to care. And maybe that's like, um, I don't know, maybe maybe that's just, again, plot convenience or maybe that's some maybe that's supposed to be some subtextual thing about how the military sees every all young men as looking the same. You know, they're just grunts or whatever. Personal. Right. Um, mm-hmm. So it could be either one of them. But obviously you would notice if if the guy who sleeps in the bunk next to you was suddenly a different person, but whatever. Um, <laughs> and uh, so while uh, he's impersonating John Savage in the army barracks, they get called um, to duty and loaded up on a plane and shipped overseas. Uh, and he can't get out. He just no way for him to get out. So he gets on the plane uh, and then it's killed in action. Um, did you... Yeah. That's that's the summary of the ending. Uh, do you think, Dad, that that was supposed to be funny? Like, the plane flies away and they cut to the tombstone. Is that supposed to be funny? No, be- I don't think it's supposed to be funny at all. Did you find it funny? A little bit, because it was so farcical. It was just like, I don't know. It, it like There's this whole ridiculous situation with the switching places, you know, switching uniform scenario and... Like is all this convoluted plot stuff going on, and then takes off the plane, and then cut to Tombstone. I just thought it was so. Maybe I was just shocked, and so I laughed. But I thought it came off as almost farcical. But I didn't think it was supposed to. But for me, it it wasn't as tragic because as soon as that happened, I was like, oh, that's that's kind of funny. Like, but I don't. Yeah. I, I think it just. I don't know what it was about the way it was presented, but I knew that that wasn't, or I felt that that wasn't what I was supposed to be feeling, but that is how it hit me. I was like, oh, that's like, that came off as kind of weirdly hilarious the way they shot that, but maybe you don't react the same way. I didn't find it amusing or funny. I think it's intended to be ironic. Mm -hmm. Um, And maybe it is ironic, but um, I'm not sure it works. Um, It's not, um, it doesn't have anything to do with the play. The play, um, you know, didn't didn't have this kind of an ending uh, based on what I've read. I've never seen the play. You've not seen the play. Mm-hmm. But um, I wonder if this is this ending is in character for Berger, right? Mm-hmm. Because this is the guy who crashed a party. And when he was asked to leave, he refused to leave. Right. And he danced on the table and he sang this great song, I Got Life. Mm-hmm. And um, when um, they're ready to ship out, you know, and he went to jail you know, based on dancing on a table. Mm-hmm. So when they're ready to ship out to Vietnam, he doesn't speak up. He doesn't. Right. He doesn't start a song. Uh, he doesn't start a song or something. He doesn't start like he doesn't, a. Yeah, he, doesn't he doesn't start, start like start a. Singing, I got life. Yeah. He, he doesn't start <laughs> like reprise. a grunt. He doesn't start like a grunt kick line, a revolt. Yeah. I don't. I I agree <laughs> it that it doesn't make it any sense. Seem in character. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. I think I think they've they've thought up an ending that they loved so much that they had to make it work no matter yeah. what. And I I don't think they pulled it off. I think there's too many plot convenience things happening. 
um, in that last sequence. And you're right. I don't think that's in character at all. Like, why wouldn't he? Like, is he afraid he's going to get shot? Maybe, I guess. But I don't think that would stop or him either. is he afraid Claude's going to get in trouble? That right. would stop him Yeah, either. it doesn't make any sense. So it doesn't make sense. But the I think the, the sense in which it does make sense, hmm. potentially, is they cut his hair, mm-hmm. right? And the movie's called Hair. Mm-hmm. And so when they cut his hair, I remember, Sam, I remember this when I saw it in the theaters, there was an audible gasp wow. in the audience. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something, uh, you know, we live in flyover land. Mm-hmm. So when you go to the movies here, audiences don't tend to react like they might sure, do. Sure, pretty stoic. Larger cities, mm-hmm. pretty stoic. They just watch it. Um, but I remember when I saw uh, this movie in the theaters, there was a gasp. There was a reaction mm-hmm. to him cutting his hair. And you can almost view it as kind of a, a, a Samson analogy. I was about to say that. That, yeah, when he cut his hair, he lost his, um, you know, his strength of character that gave him mm-hmm. the ability to dance on tables and to, mm-hmm. you know, laugh in the face of um, mm-hmm. authority. Yeah. Um, well, it's interesting. Yeah. It's a, it's a really interesting take, and I like to look at it that way because it, it then begs the question as to what did he really give that up for? Well, almost he just... Mm-hmm. I mean, and not that it's not important to see your friend before he um, goes overseas to fight in war, but he he did that just because the situation called for it. It wasn't any grand gesture on his part, or maybe it was, and maybe it just wasn't played that way um, because it isn't played that way. You're you're just kind of sitting in the woods. There's no music happening, and they're well, maybe they're singing softly or something, but they're just sitting in the woods. The dude's playing the harmonica, and they're just cutting his hair. It's not like a big moment. They don't make a big deal out of it. Um, but it's understated in that way, which I think you could totally read the emotion into that. Um, you don't necessarily need it to be a big moment, but you could you could say that it was this huge transformative thing for him. The movie just didn't feel the need to hit you over the head with that. I think that's I like that a lot, actually. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> so then we have the great ending with uh, the song "The Flesh Failures" mm-hmm. and. Uh, let the sun shine in mm-hmm. um, and it's a rousing ending uh, with thousands of people on the Washington DC National Mall mm-hmm. um, in front of the Capitol um, uh, demonstrating for peace um, do you find the ending optimistic or pessimistic oh I don't know I guess you have to look at that in context now um, yeah uh, but as far as the movie's perspective um Optimistic or pessimistic? I think, I... I think the perspective of the movie is optimistic, but yeah, I suppose. Um, yeah, definitely not. But how do you perceive it? Well, yeah, yeah. I guess you're asking how did it hit me? Um, yeah. I mean, I was moved. I don't remember feeling optimistic or pessimistic. I, I just um, more like a feeling of you know this tragedy, uh, a tragedy that didn't need to happen is the. To me, that was the final point of the movie. You know, it was, it was the most senseless death they could come up with um, was Berger accidentally getting on this plane and being killed in action, um, presumably because he doesn't even, you know, know how to tie his combat boots. You know, he doesn't know the first thing or whatever. So um, it's the most senseless death they could have come up with. And uh, I think that was the end. I think that's what I was feeling. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. it's you know like you said it's a protest it's a call to end it so um you know the the desire to do that is there but yeah yeah it's moving well it i did find it moving too and uh and that last song like the first one uh i just had to put down my ipad and stop taking notes mm-hmm. and just watch it because mm-hmm. i just i just find that song so uh, every time I listen to it, it just gives me chills. Yeah. So, um, did you have a favorite scene? Great time. Oh, uh, favorite scene. Let's see. Um, great question. Well, my favorite number, I think I already said, was um, the one that John Savage sings solo when he's, uh, what's it called again? Um, what, uh, where do I Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's probably my favorite number, other than Let the Sunshine In. Um you know what I really liked? It's a, it's not a long scene, but it's one of the one of the side characters. He's one of the hippies um, with the long hair. Don Dacus is the actor's name. 
yep. he has a scene, and I don't even remember what they're singing about now. I can't recall, but he's uh, the way the song starts is in his head, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I that was hair. Oh, that's the song hair. Okay, so I didn't remember ever seeing that before in a movie musical where the song starts in somebody's head. Again, totally possible it's happened before. I just had never uh, seen anything like that, and I just thought that was brilliant. Starts the song in his head, and then he starts singing out loud, which is so funny to me. Um, Do you know the band Chicago? Yeah, yeah. So Don Dacus was in Chicago. Oh, okay, cool. The connection. Um, Yeah. What about you? Favorite scene? Favorite number? Favorite scene? uh, uh, Definitely, I got life. I mean, Mm -hmm. that scene is just so well full of life. It's great and energetic and hilarious and yeah mm-hmm. very very funny yeah sheila i like the way that sheila beverly d'angelo's character um plays that scene too it's very understated and you could kind of see her coming around to it but she also has mixed feelings about these people yeah. it, it it's uh, it was fun uh, understated but I, I thought it i thought she did that really well she does a lot with an under yes part for sure yeah, yeah, yeah um and treat williams never did another musical that i could see i went on imdb to just see if did this guy ever do another? And he didn't. And it's such a shame because he's kills. Yeah. He's great. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Perfect cast. This, this was almost his debut. I think, I think he had been in some movies before this, but Uh this is definitely the one that, that uh, brought him to notice. Um, Mm -hmm. Sam, would you recommend this film? Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Of your generation. Mm -hmm. For sure. Yeah. Yeah would program it in my hypothetical or house movie theater yep. alongside deer hunter. Jeff Bridges, do you have, do you have a movie starring Jeff Bridges that this reminds you? Of? Oh, he's gotta be in some, I mean, he's obviously in some seventies movies. None that I'm too familiar with oh. though. <laughs> uh, I'm sure he's in some seventies movies. Yes. Uh, the only one I know of is cutters way. That's not even seventies. That's eighties. Uh, yep. yeah, no idea. I mean, cutters way is, you know, also a, vietnam aftermath movie uh yeah i'm being facetious i know you are but i was i I was really taking that seriously i was like yeah there's got to be one uh there always is but yeah yeah it is good to mention cutter's way in this context though because uh both czechoslovakian directors Mm -hmm. um you know uh both having that anti-war you know that anti-war take or that uh, post-vietnam take yeah um on the events of the film both commentaries on america Mm -hmm. um and actually ivan passer and milos forman worked together i guess okay uh in czechoslovakia Hmm. for the immigrants. well it's a small country (laughs) it's a very small country uh cool anything else before we wrap it up any uh yeah we've been we're over an hour on this one and so our our one movie pick allowed us i guess to go into more depth yeah how did you feel about that um I felt great about it. How did you feel? I felt good about it too. I feel like you get more out of it. You can live with it for a while. I think it was nice. But more to the point, how did our listeners feel about it? That's where they can write us and tell us in an email, right? That's right. They can, uh, if you want to email us in, if you have, uh, you know, thoughts about the show or questions about the show or um, movies that you thought would have uh, gone well with the the movie that we picked, you can email likemoviespod at gmail.com. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. Uh, we're a new podcast. We're doing this for fun. It'd be pretty cool if we had some uh, some positive feedback from people. Uh, so, yeah, you can let us know. Anything you want to say to the before people we go, before we you go? Have, yeah, before we go, we have our... Oh, our, of um, course. Uh, mention our next you time. have to give me my so, assignment. Yeah, here's your homework assignment. Mm-hmm. So, we've done thrillers. We've done dramas we've done horror we've done musicals yeah we've done comedies yeah um so in trying to bring balance to the force to this podcast mm-hmm. to the force yes um i thought it would be time to bring in a documentary oh okay not science fiction all right got it not science fiction okay and so then maybe next time <laughs> but uh for our next film i'd like to uh ask you to watch uh, a film uh, that came out a few years ago, not that long ago. It's pretty recent. Mm-hmm. Uh, documentary, and it's called Stories We Tell. Okay. Stories We and Tell. It's by the filmmaker Sarah Polly. Mm-hmm. K 
Canadian filmmaker. Mm-hmm. Um, she um, did act in a few films, including the Dawn of the Dead remake. Oh. Um, mm-hmm. But um, I think she's more known as a filmmaker. And actually, she has a film in the Oscar nominations this time around called Women Talking okay. um, that she directed. Yeah. Cool. But this is a documentary that she made about her father, mm-hmm. Stories We Tell. Mm-hmm. So very uh, thematically in sync with this podcast. Sure. And um, you can watch it on Canopy or on Freevee, which is mm-hmm. Amazon Prime's free commercial um, uh, commercial platform. Burdened <laughs> platform. The thing that nobody yeah. uses, presumably. Okay, cool. Yeah. Very good. But you don't have to pay anything for uh-huh. it. Uh-huh. All right. Sounds good. That's pick for next week. Great. Next time. Great. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, We will see you next time.